Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. It's a holiday of sorts, the day after the Super Bowl, but we're still going to do a podcast with you. Today, we're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde. A couple big topics, of course, Pat Hayden retiring, USC's recruiting class from last week, so we're going to get to all of that. If you have any questions or comments for the show, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can leave a voicemail a couple different ways, call 641-715-3900, extension 816 or go to our website, parastylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page and leave a voicemail right from your computer or mobile device. If you go to iTunes.com slash Podcast, you can rate the show, you can subscribe, leave comments. We appreciate all of that. And without further ado, I want to bring in the coach. I'm in your town, coach. I'm still in Vegas. You can probably hear it in my voice, but I'm heading back to L.A. a little today. How, how are you doing? Buddy, I'm doing pretty good. I hope you had a good time up there in my city. But, uh, yeah, I'm doing good, and I agree with you. It should be a national holiday the day after the Super Bowl. It's a, it's a huge event. 115 million people are about that. I didn't count them, okay? Watch the game <laughs> and uh, the ratings and the spots and all the conversation for two weeks about the, the big game and all of this and that and, you know, it's been great, and tie that in with what you've been doing, Ryan, as far as recruiting and all the national letter of intents this past week. You've had a hectic week, buddy, and you deserve to go to Vegas. Now come home, sit in the sun, play a little volleyball, and catch up. Yeah, I'm going to try that, Coach. My wife and I are heading back a couple hours. We wanted to record this before we left, so thanks for uh, squeezing us in. And wanted to thank our sponsor before we jump in. Southern California Tickets, you can go to sctickets.com. Check them out or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287. Sporting events, pitchers and catchers report in a couple of weeks. Uh, so spring training, you want to get tickets for that. Hockey, basketball, all kinds of stuff going on. So go to sctickets.com and they'll help you out. And Coach, you mentioned the um, signing day, of course, on Wednesday. USC brings in a class of 20 plus what we believe is going to be a blue shirt. It would be an extra person counting towards the class of 2017. But our first question is about signing day, so get your thoughts. It is, he starts off, says, Hello, Ryan, Coach Hyde, G. Martin, podcast crew. Great hoops win over the Bruins last night. So he sent this in on Friday after UCLA, uh, USC beat UCLA. He said, A nice mix of local and out-of-state recruits in a new recruiting class. I'm glad there were no stories about Coach Helton climbing trees, dancing, we're having pajama parties with the recruits. What are your thoughts about the new recruiting class? Thanks for your insight and discussion. Fight on, Harold, NorCal Trojan fan and alum. Well, thank you for asking that question. I knew we'd get to some more recruiting, Ryan. We've been talking a lot about recruiting, but, uh, you know, when you have time to digest it and think about it for a little while, that you have different feelings as time goes on uh, with the emotion of signing day and the excitement of it and uh, all of the above, you start to look at the class and you start to evaluate the exact process that's been going on. And my feeling is that everyone knows that I, I was pretty hard on Coach 
uh, Clay Helton, as far as how long it t- how long it took him to put his recruiting class together, or not recruiting class, his staff together. And uh, I thought that would hurt them, which I think it did, especially in the defensive line position. But after they got it together, I felt there was a lot of pressure on the staff and Coach Clay Helton to close strong. I really thought it was going to be an important move for them, especially when most of the recruits who were still on the verbal commit list were done earlier with Steve Sarkeesian and the staff then. And I really think that uh, during this process, I thought they did a good job because earlier they did lose some verbal commits, as everyone knows who they are, a couple of defensive linemen and warriors who went over to UCLA, the linebacker. But they came back and they did a part uh, of a, a good job of stealing their own. And I think they did a great job of coming over and getting this kid, Jamal Cook, from Florida State, who had been committed there for over a year. And it really upset them. And if you remember, a couple of years ago, Florida State came in and took Galen Rose from them uh, on the last day. So uh, it worked out this time that USC would take a defensive back from them. And I think they got a great player. I think he's a great player. He's got good size, which I like, and range. And he covers the field. He, he's an athlete. I like athletes. And tackles, ta- tackles well, too. And he's got good speed. He's about a 4.5, 4.6 a free safety type of athlete. Then they came in and took away from the University of Oregon uh, the running back, Malapiai. And that, this is something I thought they needed. I thought they needed another running back. He's about a 4.5, uh, oh, or right in that area. Good speed, tough back. Blocks well. I, I like him. Uh, about 5'11", 195 pounds. Four-star player, so... As you look at players you lost, and then you look at players that you gain, like E.J. Price, the big offensive tackle, that they, they was a Georgia commit for a long period of time, and then all of a sudden over a weekend, he turns and goes to USC. So a lot of this thing, these verbal commits don't always work out. So I thought really, with Fatu, the nose guard from Lubbock City College, that they had a plan in place. And they were able to fill their numbers. And as you and I have spoken before, I think the the place kicker and uh, the blue uh, shirt kid, Michael Brown, is going to be a great addition to the the program. He'll come in and compete. And I think that he's uh, he kicks off really well. He kicks deep balls, and uh, I think he'll compete too for the field goal kicking and PAT job. So. I think overall, I think it was a great class. I think now we really don't know how good this class is until two or three years from now, okay, how they really mature, how they stay together, how you forecast certain players and who you redshirt, who contributes. You don't want to really play a lot of guys. I don't. I want them to grow up and have a year to mature and learn the new systems. The new kids that came in in February, I think they've got a terrific opportunity to learn as quickly as they can with anything new that they put in, especially on the defensive side of the football. So I think that it was a a good class. Uh, You see all kinds of different services with different types of rankings, but most of them had them, you know, the top 15 and above. So uh, I think it it was a good good class, uh, and I think that now they have to put it together. They didn't need a lot of players. They got 15 starters back. So I think now you go to spring ball and you say, okay, you got these kids, now let's coach them up. 
Well, we'll see, Coach. And, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with the way that Clay Hilton was able to finish on signing day. I got to ask him about this at the press conference. And you get a little nervous when you have to close with so many out-of-state prospects. But uh, the staff did a great job. I mean, the last couple of years, now three years in a row, USC's really closed well on signing day. Sarkeesian was undefeated. I mean, he would get everyone, every big target. They were all four- and five-star guys. He got them all. But for the most part, they were local. Clay Helton's job was a little tougher. Their big targets were all out of state except for Jack Jones, and they ended up picking up that J.C. defensive tackle. Um, but, yeah, to be able to close with that high of a percentage and out-of-state guys, I thought that's why there, there could be issues with the class. But the staff, him and the staff did a great job. I agree with you 100%. I'm, I forgot Jack Jones. I mean, I don't know how I could forget him because I think he's a kid that will contribute right away along with Jamal Cook. So, yeah, I think they did close well. I always thought that Jones was going to go to USC, but you never know, Ryan, until you get that fax letter of intent. You never know what kids are thinking. Just like the the big uh, defensive tackle. I mean, I think Connor coming in was a shock to me. I thought he was going to Michigan for sure, but him coming in too was another late commit that Connor Murphy. I mean, I mean he he's just a. I thought he was a you know six seven two hundred fifty pound kid that has a lot of potential. I mean, getting players like that the last day, I think, are great. Yeah. Uh, well, let's move on. Thanks for Harold for those. Uh, Steve had a couple comments, and I want to get your thoughts. This, this will let us talk about Pat Hayden retiring. He said, first, I might be in the minority, but I'm excited about the coaching staff. T. Martin makes me a little nervous after the Holiday Bowl, but I know Coach Helton can and will override him if he gets too pass-happy. Um, kind of funny. A lot of people worry about it because he was former quarterback. Um but he said uh, he also was someone that said Pat Hayden was never going to retire, and then he wrote in, "I stand corrected. Pat can retire. Didn't think he had it in him." Uh, maybe get your thoughts, Coach, on Pat Hayden uh, announcing this week that he's going to retire as of June 30th. Well, uh, I think he's smart. I think he's uh, done his five years. As far as retiring, he retired from the athletic position, uh, director, but he's going to be in charge of the renovation of the Coliseum, which is right up his line as far as working with the heavy hitters and the donors and guys that he's very acquainted, much acquainted with and always has been. I think that's a, a, a smart move and to get that done. And Pat's a smart guy, and, and he wants to stay associated with the university. And I think it's a good move for the athletic department and for Pat Aiden. As far as him stepping down, I think it was, I hate to say it's time for someone, but that job requires a lot of energy. As far as working with kids, attending athletic events, going to booster meetings, doing the whole thing, faculty events, takes a lot of energy. And I think for his own health, if he's not healthy, and for his, uh, it's time to pass the baton. Let me just put it to you that way. It, it becomes a, a time when it's time to move on and say, all right, this is what I accomplished. I came in to accomplish this, and now I'm going to go work on the Coliseum, and someone else can have this position. Now, as far as them doing a national search and going through all that and paying all those big bucks, I guess USC really does have a lot of big money because they hire these firms. Well, I know they have a lot of big money, but they hire these firms. costs cost a lot of money. And you go out and you, and you search the country, and again, that's another change if they hire an athletic director for somewhere else. I don't think they need any more change at USC. They've had so many changes. How about Clay Helton now? 
Pat Hayden hires him, and now he's going to work for another athletics director. He's going to work for somebody that uh, didn't didn't remember what they told him, or all of the above. So I think it would be my my way of thinking smart to hire someone on the staff who was in on the interviewing, and remember what was said that Clay Helton can go to and talk to about football and what he needs because this was all discussed before. Now, a guy that's been there for a long period of time, and I think there'd be a great athletic director, is Steve Lopes. He's been there since 1984. He knows everybody. He knows all the coaches. He was there when all the coaches were hired, even the, the ones with uh, Mike Garrett. He's been through all the sanctions. He knows the history of the athletic department. You bring someone in new, and they gotta, they don't know the history of what went on. Uh, they might have followed it in the newspapers, or but they didn't know the history of the sanctions and the scholarships and all all of the things that we've been following and our listeners have been following for the last six, seven, eight years. So you bring someone else in, and then, of course, he'll want his own staff and he'll want his own ways, and it'll take him a year just to become, become accustomed to USC, meeting the new boosters and, and being aware of what's going on. I, I don't think that's a smart thing to do right now. I think it would be really smart to... To let Steve Lopes uh, be the coach or be the athletic director. But when you go out and do a national search like this, it takes time. It takes money. Uh, I don't know who is the interim athletic director. Pat is until June, so they hope to have someone in place by then. But Pat and Steve could work together in the transition period. And, you know, I think it would just be a perfect hire. But now when you go out and do a national search, it's sort of, I sort of think that, what does that tell Steve Lopes that they all have worked with him all these years and they have to do that and then come back and maybe hire him and maybe not? I would think that would be something that Pat Hayden would recommend. Just recommend it and say, got a guy here that I think's a great, uh, great, uh, CEO as far as the, the money he handles and not a CEO, but he's in charge of all the, the budgets, he knows our money situation, he's been here on all the hirings, he sat in on the hirings of all of these coaches, and he knows what's going on, and just, just keep it going, and Pat would still be there, they could talk back and forth when he's doing his renovation of the Coliseum, but uh, we'll see what happens, uh, so I mean, I want to wish Pat the best, and uh, of course, uh, we'll see what happens, but you know, I just think that when you have someone like Steve Lopes around that's a true believer, he bleeds cardinal and gold, it's tough to bring in somebody that's been bleeding green and white somewhere else for a long period of time and all of a sudden has to learn what it feels like to bleed cardinal and gold. So that's that's the way I feel on that. Yeah, Pat Hayden, certainly a USC legend. Everyone's wishing him the best and hope his, you know, his health is able to you know, come through. And um, I, I know he's going to do a great job leading the, the charge raising money for the Coliseum. Kind of get the feeling you're right, Coach. I I, I think they're going to end up hiring Steve Lopes. That's my gut. But we'll we'll keep following this as we go along. But thanks to Steve for writing that in. Uh, let's move on. We got Juice in San Diego. So on your next podcast, would you do me the favor of congratulating Coach Hyde on his plaque he received for the generous work he did for the Keith Jackson Broadcast Center at the Rose Bowl Donahue Pavilion? Great work recognizing a great man who also – admired USC tremendously. Thank you, and fight on. That's from Juice in San Diego. That's very nice. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I had an opportunity to uh, work on that committee that uh, we named the 
fifth floor of the press box, the Keith Jackson Broadcast Center, and uh, we raised funds for that. And uh, it was just a tremendous event, too. It was amazing, the event we had uh, honoring Keith Jackson. I had the opportunity of emceeing that, Lynn Swan, uh, Dan Fouts, Brian Greasy, uh, uh, you know it, uh, Tim Brandt, uh, Kenny Chesney, just to mention some of the celebrities that were there and the MVPs of the Rose Bowl game that were there to honor Keith Jackson. It was a great event, great honor to Keith, and I really feel... Uh, good and proud of being a part of that committee. It was really, really great. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to relay what happened in the Rose Bowl. Well, congrats, Coach. That's great. Thanks, Juice, for pointing that out. Uh, let's move on. We got This is kind of a technical question from Jim in Canyon Country. He says, thanks, as always, for the hard work you put in on the podcast and other analysis. I was surprised by Ryan's characterization of Coach Hyde as, quote-unquote, polarizing. Are you suggesting that he be known officially as the polecat? Um, that's what something we talked about last week when there was some. Right. We've had a little controversy, coach. We know on the show. Um, he had four different points. I'm, I'm going to just point to one of them. I thought this was the most interesting because it was kind of long. Sorry, Jim. But he says perhaps Coach Hyde could expand on this. But there really is no classic quote unquote nose tackle in Pendergast and Pendergast three four under scheme. While at USC, Pendergast ran the basic 3-4, about 67% of the plays. Uh, picture's worth a thousand words, but imagine in a traditional 3-4 nose tackle alignment, the middle down lineman uh, directly opposite the center, and the other two down linemen are opposite the tackles. In a 3-4 under scheme, all the down linemen move a step to their right so that the middle lineman uh, lines up in the gap between the center and the left guard, the weak side lineman is outside the left offensive tackle and the strong side lineman in the gap between the right tackle and guard. Perhaps your site could put up a still photo of the end zone to make this look super clear. In my opinion, this means Antoine Woods or his successor at middle down lineman initiated the action by trying to blow through the gap between the center and the left guard and does not dance around the center waiting to see what develops. That's Jim and Canyon Country. Coach, I, I think he's talking about a one-gap scheme versus a two-gap scheme where the last couple of years, I believe, USC ran a two-gap scheme where you line up over your man and you basically have both gaps on each side. This is a one-gap scheme for Pendergast where here's your gap, that's where you go. If, if, if I'm, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's what he's talking about. Right, that's what he's talking about, and you sometimes even see them face in a little bit, not square with the line of scrimmage, and try to take gaps and and uh, ruin up the, or the scoop blocking and the area blocking that uh, the offensive linemen are trying to do in the uh, zone read uh, uh, type of uh, offensive schemes. And uh, he's exactly right the way they line up and they, they play head up, they play outside shoulder. Sometimes they even go inside shoulder. Uh, you saw a little bit of this yesterday in the Super Bowl game. It's like uh, the Eagle defense at times, too, and uh, you you stack your backers where they're free and play them off the line of scrimmage because when you do that you keep the uh, the uh, the guards off of the linebackers and the linebackers make a lot of tackles so uh, yeah he's exactly right what they do and I like that scheme a lot and uh, when you call defensive tackles those are well some I use I call them defensive tackles but now they call them like defensive ends and the outside people. 
defensive linebackers. I used to call them nose guard, nose guard, defensive tackles, and then outside linebackers. So, yeah, you're exactly right, and that's what they do. You try to break up the – you try to penetrate. You always hear me saying play on their side of the football, disrupt things before they get started. Uh, and, 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 and this is exactly what you try to do. He's a, he, he coaches a very aggressive type of defense. You'll, you won't have to worry about telling him, uh, as far as the stunning and blowing past people and playing man defense and all of the above. This is his philosophy and he's done very well with that. Uh, I, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, I think the, the past two years that he was the defensive coordinator at USC, I think USC had the number one defense in the conference. And uh, then uh, they didn't retain him, and they brought in Justin Wilcox. But, yeah, he, he's a good defensive mind, gets after it, and then we'll see what happens uh, with the new scheme. And as I've said, just give me two or three days of spring practice, and I'll be able to tell you exactly what people are doing and what type of philosophy there's going to be on the football field. Is it going to be a library with live, live music, or is it going to be a football atmosphere? Yeah, he was a, actually a defensive coordinator, just one year coach, but you're right. There, you know, it was a top defense in the Pac 12. Right. And, uh, same sort of thing at, at Cal when he was there. Very aggressive. Um, so there should be a lot more. And that's, that's what Clay Hilton wanted. So it'll be interesting to see, like you said, when spring ball starts. Uh, I got two more for you and then we'll let you go, coach. Uh, Brian in Montreal, he said, with the fact that the coaches bringing in five wide receivers and one last minute running back, say anything about the type of offense Clay Helton plans to install. This considered along with an offensive coordinator who played at quarterback, played at a quarterback and coach wide receivers, not to mention two new coaches from past happy Western Kentucky. Does any hope remain that Clay Helton would continue to preach his rush first mantra in the next season? Don't get me wrong. I'll take whatever offensive game plan produces wins. And few things could be worse than the sad offensive crapshoot we witnessed nearly all of last year. But I know I'm not alone in wishing that the team would return to a smash mouth style and recover some of the toughness it lost under the finesse minded systems of the previous two regimes. How much longer are we going to let Stanford be the real USC of the Pac 12? Thanks for all the signing day coverage, Brian and Montreal. Brian, I agree with you. That's why uh, the same thing on the offensive side of the football after three days of spring practice or when they get into pads, I'll be able to tell you what they're doing there too. They have run the football, but they have not run the football as you and I and people who remember USC football run the football. And I think that uh, uh, it comes from uh, being physical in practice. It comes from being physical in everything you do. It comes from uh, uh, offensive line uh, play that is uh, very physical, taught physically, played physically, and part of your game plan. Players on the offense know that it's a run first and pass second. And I don't know if that in the past, as you just mentioned, is what the philosophy has been at USC. There's been a lot of talk about running the football, but I don't see the backup of what people are saying we're going to do. Now, obviously, uh, at the end of the season, uh, he said that we're going to get very physical. That's Clay Helt. We're going to be a physical type of football, but when you see who he hired and who the offensive coordinator is, not that T-Martin won't be a good offensive coordinator, but he is a receiver coach that has learned a lot from Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian since he's very young and he's a great recruiter. 
And uh, does he know what the physical game really is? Is his personality what they you want to teach? You have to have a personality of being tough. You have to. Have, you can't just pretend like you're tough. Now, the offensive line coach that's coming in is certainly coached and played at Southeastern Conference schools where toughness is something that's very important. And I just want to see if they're going to allow him to coach that or if he believes in coaching that. You have to be able to see if he's a Tim Davis and the type of coach that turns his hat backwards and puts his own face into somebody's chest and demonstrates it even if he gets his forehead cut. So, you know, it all starts with playing with a personality, with an identity of who you are. And now that's what I'm looking to see. Uh, what's the personality of USC going to be now under Coach Clay Help? And you start that immediately. Right now in your, your conditioning, you start that on the way you condition and the attitude and the, uh, the weight room and the coach and all of the above and the philosophy of discipline, all of the above. It all starts now. And it takes years to develop this type of tradition where, you know, it just keeps coming. The waves of it just keep coming, that this is the way we play here at USC. So that's why I'm looking forward to spring practice, and I'll be able to tell you more of what I see. But currently right now, I can't tell you if they're going to run the football more than what they've done and how they're going to run the football, because I think they'll be what they were. I don't believe it until I see it. All right, Coach, we've got one last one. Quick one from Tarek. Uh, he says, in order for the first season as head coach to be a success, does Clay Helton need to win a Pac-12 title? Well, I think you've got to win. Uh, whether it's a Pac-12 title, I don't know. I think it should be. It'd try to be. I saw the first ranking and uh, uh, by ESPN, and they had them, I believe it was eighth in the country. That's a pretty high ranking, uh, but they have 15 starters back. They've had a number one recruiting class two years ago where these kids are supposed to start being producing uh, uh, producing from that. And, uh, you know, it's one thing to recruit them, and it's the second thing to get them to perform and put them in the right place that fits their type of style of ability. So now we'll see. This is what people are thinking they should be, but let's see if they're going to be up to that living up to what's expected of them. I would think that next year with, I think, six teams having to get new quarterbacks, they're one of those teams. Alabama, their opening game, has to find a new quarterback too. They only have eight starters returning to Alabama. That USC is in a position to win the Pac-12. I really believe that. Uh, but will they win the Pac-12? Will they be physical will they be able to get that stuff done well this is what happens between now and then so who gets most out of what they have so you look at the schedule they've got stanford earlier stanford's got to have a new quarterback next year they got them i think in the third game they've got alabama in the first game they've got utah state in between they've got a tough schedule of, of teams who had good good recruiting years so yes but there's no gimmies there's no gimme and at USC, people expect Pac-12 championships and a trip to at least the Rose Bowl. All right, Coach. Great stuff. I appreciate you being able to come on and uh, deal with me while I'm recovering from my fun few days with my wife in Vegas. But we're heading back to L.A. today. 
we'll have some more podcasts this week. We'll try to get Dan Weber on and Gerard Martinez to kind of recap the recruiting class in a lot more detail. But thanks again, Coach. It was great stuff. Ryan, it's always great to be with you and uh, get back and get a little rehab, okay? You've had a hard game there in Vegas, so get back. <laughs> you deserve it. Get a little rehab and get charged up your batteries and be ready to go for this spring practice in the spring. It'll be here. When do they have to start? I think March the 8th, don't they? March 8th is the first day, yeah. So yeah. not a lot of time, not a lot of time off, about a month away. No, about one month and they'll be in spring practice. So we'll be able to talk about spring practice and get a lot of answers done. Want to thank all of you out there for this football season as far as following along with us here on the podcast. And Ryan, I thank you too. So, Have a great day. Buckle up, everyone, and be safe. Thanks, Coach, and thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. 888-7287 or visit us on the web at sctickets.com SC Tickets, Concert, Sports and Theater You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.